Blazer Nation, welcome back to the Blazer Victory Podcast. This is your host, John Duncan, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Darian Smith. Hey guys, UAB's got a big game this Saturday night down in Baton Rouge as mm-hmm. the, our UAB Blazers will face off against a top-10-ranked LSU Tigers in Tiger Stadium at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. If you're not able to make it down to Tiger Stadium, you can watch nationally on ESPN2. So, hey, forget the stadium, Darren. Forget CBS Sports Network. <laughs> We're going to be, hey, forget Facebook. Watch it on Facebook. We're going to be on ESPN2 <laughs> Saturday night. Can you believe it, man? Yeah, look, look at us finally, you know. <laughs> I didn't know what I ain't going to diss the stadium and say. I can't I can't remember. I, I don't know if it's ESPN Plus with those horrible announcers. I can't. I can't remember. I can't remember what game that was, but it just stuck out in my head that some of these announcers, like they were trying to force Dylan into this certain mm. quarterback, and um, shoot, what game was that? They was trying to say that such such had such an explosive offense. They kept trying to force. Me. Oh, CBS Sports Network for that WKU Friday night. Yes, that, that oh, was awful. My God, like oh, I was like, this dude, no, he doesn't know <laughs> anything about these things. He got these clip notes, and he was going to stick to those talking points. I was like, at a certain point, you can just look at the game. Exactly. But, but yeah, anyway, yeah, man, we only a fourteen point dog. We got a chance. You're giving me hope, man. They're giving me hope. I'm telling you, man. I, you know, right when that came out, because we were thinking it'd be around 21, 24. Like, when it came out at 14, I just told you, man, that's respect on UAB. Like, I think that's what that is. Like, I, I think Vegas has put some respect on UAB to only open it at 14. Like, yeah, golly. And Vegas knows something, like, you know, because, you know, again, we were at home this past week, but – to open up the way our season has went, you know, disappointing, and yada yada, we know that. But we opened up a seven point favorites over North Texas. Right. Um, these these guys that should have beat UTSA, that's they've been. Didn't they beat the crap out of WKU? Yes, they did. So that was the same team that did all this and that. We came and Vegas knew better than us because we, <laughs> I mean, we came and put it on them. So. Um, Man, I give a lot of respect to that to the Vegas Lions because they always seem to be pretty much on the on the money with it. So on it, and honestly too, Darren, like looking at the spread now, it's only fourteen and a half. Like you would think that if there was a lot of people, you know, betting on LSU, like I mean, I'm still not a hundred percent really sure about how betting works. I know we've got a bunch of listeners that you know. Shout out, welcome to UAB. I know you know how it works, but. Yeah. To see it only move a half a point in a couple of days, or at least, you know, more than 24 hours, like, I mean, that's got to show even more respect, in my opinion, right? Like, Right. It's a basic concept. You know, if a lot of people are going to ha- hammer LSU on that spread, you know, that line is going to start to move until, until you know, you see the bet start evening out. And you see, that's how, that's how it works. It's about evening it out, you know. Right. And trying to, you know, trying to get people to bet each side. And more so, so that yeah, that is impressive. They let you know that LSU isn't just being hammered here, right? You know? and, I'm surprised. Me too. And and guys, in a few minutes, we'll roll our uh, interview that we had with Caroline Fenton of the Locked On LSU podcast. She hosts that and does a fantastic job. Uh, make sure to give her a follow on Twitter at Caroline Fenton One, um, and we'll roll that interview in a few minutes. But Darian. We kind of hit on it last episode in our North Texas game recap, but buddy, if we can just see UAB be competitive this Saturday night, 
You know, of course I want the of course I want the win. But yeah. if we can if if we can see us be competitive, if we can see UAB be competitive, I'll take that as a win in my opinion. I just want to be competitive against a top ranked team. Yeah, no, no, I don't I don't want to go in here and lay down. I want right. to have a magical moment for the program that I love. Right. I want us to come in the Tiger Stadium, a top ten ranked team during this disappointing season that we've had. This in embattled coach who's very much on the hot seat and most likely right now he won't be here. I want him to come out there, scheme up the best game he's ever schemed up and show that show that growth that we talked about on the last pod, show that it's real because you can't get a better opportunity. You know, I no want us, to, I want us to, and we can get into the schematic things in a minute, uh, in a minute that we probably would like to see um, a little bit, but yeah, I want us to see us coming there. We, I want us to see in there coming there trying to win. I don't, I don't want to get no, you know, run play here, run play there, cloud of this. Let's get out of here. No injuries. No, Mm-mm, no, <laughs> let's go win, man. What we got to lose? Go win. Let's show that this program is really, you know, the program we thought that we could be or, or the program that we are becoming that is real. It's a real thing. I don't, I don't want to settle anymore. I don't want another repeat of Georgia. Like, you know, and I, I kind of blocked that out of my mind. That was so bad. <laughs> it so, was. Yeah. So I, I want us to come in there to win and really believe in ourselves. I believe in those guys. So that's what I want to see. And Darian, what an opportunity that Bryant Vincent has this Saturday night. Can, can, can you imagine? You hadn't won on the road all year, but you go into Death Valley and you can beat a top 10, uh, really a top five, you know, LSU team and get both eligible that way. Can you imagine like that? <laughs> that's like a, that's like a Disney. That's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a movie. <laughs> a battle interim coach that whom the players love, but hasn't been able to really get it done shows growth and comes to be the top 10 team. And, you know, the program keeps him. He's, he becomes one of the most winning the winningest coaches at the program of all time. Like that's you know, Man, it's yes. like a, this is the opportunity we can have a Disney movie. Like, what are the possibilities that this happens? It's low. The percentage is low. I'm gonna be real, but right, right. opportunities like this is what you. It's what is presented in front of you, and you can shut people like me up. You can shut half of the ninety percent of the fans that's on Twitter that I talk to, or whatever. It can shut us up. I want to be shut up. Like shut me up. That's 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 I want it because I know I I know I speak my mind, and you know I can be critical, whatever. Here go here go here. You know, and it's not about just winning. It's about being competitive. Like how are we gonna respond to being hit when um we have a negative play? How is the coaching staff gonna put our players in positions to have an advantage. It's going to be hard because they have talent all over their field. Yeah, they do. I mean, everywhere. Like, I mean, this it's, it's a typical SEC team, but you take that up to another degree. Like, LSU, they have always recruited well. And even though the, you know, crap that happened after Ed Ogeron, like, they still have a lot of talent. And Brian Kelly was able to get really talented transfers to come in. And one of those main guys, their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, you know, transferring over from Arizona State, a three-year starter over there at ASU. Like he, he's been kind of up and down this year. But you can't, you can't deny this man's an athlete. Like he, he is very quick with his feet. 
He's not the the most accurate quarterback, but he's got a heck of a good arm. Like he's got a strong arm that he can throw it deep and he can hit you with his legs. Like it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Yeah. You know, last episode we kind of hit on, you know, talking about, you know, we would love to do it and we'd still love to go down there and beat LSU, but it's going to be tough, but I just want to see him competitive. That's my only ask. Like, just please be competitive. You know, take your shots. You know, we kidded around last episode about, hey, go five wide. Like, just just try something different. You know, chunk it deep. Uh, you know, four verts. Just, just leave it all on the line. Because, I mean, I don't know, Darren. We, we've seen so many times where UAB gets in these type of games. And I've been to a bunch of them. You know, I went to Georgia last year, unfortunately. I went to Tennessee back in uh, 2019, unfortunately. Like, I, I've seen these games, man. And they haven't been pretty for UAB. So, let, just go in there, take a step in the right direction, and be competitive. And, hey, BV, nothing to lose, man. Like, this well, – just what an opportunity on national television to get a huge win or just make a huge statement by being competitive. And just leave it all out there, man. And – and I know those games, those games do come down to belief in team and belief in yourself. How do I know I've played in them? So you can't, you can't sit there and tell me I've been, I was just a lowly, like what, three-star recruit out of JUCO. I was undersized. I had all of the little check marks against me or whatever. But all of those games that we left, it was respect. I remember Mississippi State. I remember they had Pernell McPhee. They had um they had a lot of those guys. What's um from the Eagles, Fletcher Cox mm-hmm. played against those guys. Those guys shook our hand and said, Man, y'all really came with it. Those guys from Florida, they had um Ely. Uh, he went second round to the Patriots and they had they had a couple guys, they had a couple linebackers. I mean and yeah, we lost those games. Like we lost thirty to zero to Florida and we we were in it with Mississippi State. It was a close like one score game and double overtime with Tennessee. Um I can't remember the other SEC team we played, but we were right there. And um it doesn't matter the overall score. I realized it mattered when those games come down to it, it matter the pride in yourself, mm-hmm. the position group you play with, if you believe. You're gonna go out there and you're gonna play like you're gonna play to win. Like it's gonna be it's not it's not that much of a difference, guys. It's football. It is football. So go out there and play to win. Don't if you go out there and you already believe, like, oh man, Keyshawn Booty, oh man, this wide receiver, he's so talented. You know, if you start on Thomas, you get out there and you think you're gonna get burnt, and you're gonna get burnt. You know, if you're Sidney Wells, granted, you need a tight end to probably help chip with you when you got <laughs> when you got Harold yeah. Perkins right there. But if you don't give you cake. You need to understand the protection scheme because I will not leave our guys one-on-one with that guy. But, hey, if you understand the protection scheme and, and you realize, hey, I have enough to to help me block him, I'm going to go out there and get the job done when I get my hands on him, you're going to go do that. Don't don't play scared. Don't play – do not play not to get beat too bad. Yeah. Don't do that. Go out there and play to win. Talk noise. Let them know that you're better than them. Play like you better than them. I don't care what no star. I don't care what any stars say. I don't care what the national guys say. Go out there and play your game, man. And I guess let's go ahead and get into kind of scheme talk, uh, Darren. Before we get into predictions, uh, just looking at Harold Perkins. I mean, that dude is a beast. When I was watching film, I know you saw it pop off on your film study too. But I mean, this guy seven and a half sacks. I mean, he's already got what fifty-two tackles. Like he is a true freshman. 
schematically, what does UAB need to do to just avoid letting him have a, have a big game this Saturday night? Yes, yeah, a couple of things. Um, so <clears throat> in some games he played in the middle and he was playing primarily as a spy. So you think, okay, a spy is a guy that just kind of sit there, whatever. This is the most effective spy <sighs> that I've ever seen because his closing speed is otherworldly. Mm-hmm. His, his closing speed. So if I'm Demar Jackson, Dylan <laughs> Hopkins, I'm putting this transform into Dylan Hopkins. Let's put Demar back up. <laughs> like if, if if Harold Perkins is in the middle and he's spying, don't even try it, honestly. So that's one adjustment. Um, if he's on the edge, you can do slide protection to where it's slide protection. You have you know you have the line shifting to the right side. You have the running back blocking the uh, the edge on the left end, and it's a quick passing scheme. Mm-hmm. So instead of dropping back, you just slide. So, you know, if he if he has an inside move, the guard is right there. If he's outside, if he goes outside, the tackle is already positioned outside. Or I wouldn't even do – I can see them trying to blitz a lot so he can be one-on-one with uh, tackles, especially if he's on the right side with Sidney Wills. Uh, he uh, – Kadeem have – hold on, I'm kind of you – know, got a little sick almost about the – Sneezing the mic right there, but he uh Kadeem can hold up. I think Kadeem is an NFL guy. He has some um, he has some things. He has the polish, but Kadeem has good feet. Kadeem was an SEC player and he transferred here. Kadeem had he can hold up some, but um, on the right side, that's where Harold Perkins literally. That's where he mainly lines up when he rushes on the edge. We're gonna need <laughs> help. Yeah. <laughs> like we're gonna, and I'm not talking about having <clears throat> running back come from the, you know, from the um, from his backfield position and come chill. No, 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 because <laughs> other teams tried to do that and they got killed. Right. Have a tight end online. We need to we need to give um, um a true bump, or if you have them in a split position where they come and they do like a crack block before they get into their route, mm-hmm. they're gonna have to like have somebody on the line. Not not a not a running back coming to help out because they can find ways around it. I would either do slide slide protection, one quick passes, and have it. And if we do drop back play action, the tight end is going to have to line up on his side every time, and just you know you're going to have to give a crack block or just stay in and block. I don't care, but it's going to have to be two guys. Or some kind of chip on them, um, you know. I know. I know. Sometimes we like to do those play action passes. A lot of times, dog, we cannot single up and do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to happen this Saturday night. Yeah, right. Like, and, but you know, the the only sucky thing about it is they they have number eighteen Ojalary on the other side, and he was popping off the he he can he screams off the end too. So it all depends on where Harry Perkins line up. We got to be aware of him first of all, mentally. Number forty, where is he? Mm-hmm. His alignment kind of tells what he's going to do. Even though he has blitzed on the inside some, I feel more comfortable with him. Comfortable with handling him in the inside because you're kind of more in the phone booth. You know, you can't. But he's dynamic on the outside, rushing the pass. He's super dynamic in his closing speed in the running game. I would say yeah. run right at him. You know, I would I would run right at him, even though he's good at shedding blocks. But you're talking about a backside linebacker or a backside end that can just destroy because his speed. If you leave him unblocked, then you can just read him. 
the dude will read the quarterback, make sure he's not keeping it, and he will scream down the end and make the tackle every time. He's that mm-hmm. amazing. So just run right at him. Like, don't – his closing speed is too great to run away from him. And I know we're going to be caught up in schemes to where we can't do nothing about it. But we do a good job of sending a, uh, a backside – a tight end in motion, and he blo- he blocks the, the backside end. Right. We're going to have to do that to him if we're running away from him. You know, so just – uh. We just got to be aware of where he's at, aware of what he does well. That's it. That is his speed and his ability to tackle. Just be aware, and then you go, you make your adjustments off of that. So um, mentally, our guys have to just be locked in, and um, our coaches as well. We're going to have to line up, uh, get our tempo. We're going to have to really see where they're at, lining up at on defense, and then we're able to make adjustments, and then we should be good to go. See, and hey, it's going to be loud in Tiger Stadium, so they're going to have to have their hand signals, paying attention to the sideline, and getting set really quickly because right. it's going to be loud and it's going to be hard to hear, you know, on I'm the glad field. You, I'm glad you said that. That speed and tempo, the pace and tempo, that does your <clears throat> absolutely right. That makes it, like, so much more important to get up to the line, like, hurry up. It's almost you got to be in a hurry-up pace because yep. – you know, I remember Tennessee, and it got to that double overtime. I've never seen something like it. It was like the ground was shaking. Mm. It, it made me laugh, but we 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 tried to kind of before we switched to silent count. We tried to like, oh, damn, I said, I remember Brian. I remember looking at his mouth because I was looking in between his legs. I was like, I can't <laughs> hear you. I can't. Hear, I can't hear you at all. And I, I kind of I laughed on the line like, this is awesome. Like <laughs> this is the stuff you want to play for, right? But, uh, yeah, I looked at his mouth, and I just saw him, and I'm like, you don't have to go silent count. And we have to switch it up, call timeout, go silent count. But, uh, yeah, you know that Rouge is going to be like that APM night game, hmm. all the hype they got going on. They they clinched the SEC West, right? They have, yeah, so they're in it regardless, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, this is going to be a team that's going to be rowdy, and they're going to be looking to crush us, honestly. They, they're going to be looking to – make a statement, like, get off the field at halftime, Christians. And I I want to spoil that so, so bad. I know the players do, too. And, and I guess, Darren, what would you do if you're Coach Reeves on the defensive side of the ball? Like, do you stick with that three-man front to kind of just keep Jaden Daniels in the pocket and, like, what, spy him? Or what, what do you think Reeves is going to do this Saturday? Um, that is a good question. I was trying to think about that. Because you can do a couple of different things. Like you can spy or you can just be straight up aggressive and just go ahead, you know, because Caroline in our interview mentioned they've got a couple freshmen on the offensive line. So you just try blitzing them, being aggressive and just going right after them or right. But know. while they have a couple of freshmen, we don't have the marquee bookends this yeah. year. Like we don't have the Alex Wrights <laughs> or the Jordan Smiths. We we've got guys that, that you know, they're good at what they're doing now. Um Ugh. I think I guess you play it a lot, a lot like you play North Texas, you know, because they're going to mm-hmm. run the ball. Um, you know, we have a good defensive backfield. We got to trust in them, but we're going to have to bring. I believe we're going to have to bring some guys up because uh, they are physical. It's a you know, it's a top LS, I mean, um, SEC line. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're going to be able to crease us here and there. So we're going to have to bring some guys down. We're just going to have to, you know. Try to double, you know, probably have a safety high here and there. We're going to have to mix it up, honestly. It's going to be a tough call. Um, Jaden Daniels is very mobile. 
but lately he's been doing a good job of spreading it out. Um, so I don't think we're gonna we're, we don't have the dynamic pass rushers that Arkansas do. Um, right. But we have a good team unit. So we're gonna have to just leverage like we've been doing all year. We're gonna have to leverage our team unit together and just I don't know. We try to rush in guys when it makes sense. And um, but I do think we're gonna have to probably pull a safety down and you know force them to throw, which they don't have any problems throwing. <laughs> they have weapons. Like, yeah. <laughs> so um, it's gonna be tough, honestly, for uh, Coach Reeves. But all year I believed in him, and all year he he's came through. So. Um, I guess you just kind of stick to what you do and then you you build out from there. Definitely. Well, hey, the overall series with UAB LSU, it's tied 1-1. UAB won it back in 2000 in Tiger Stadium. Yeah. So, hey, (laughs) let's do it again. If they can do it back in 2000 against Nick Saban, one of the best coaches of all time, then, hey, maybe we can kind of get Brian Kelly and maybe figure out what his real accent is um, about <laughs> this game. So, yeah, I had to throw that in there. Yeah, I mean, but know, Derek, LSU, talent everywhere. Um, I think really the keys to this game to me is I, 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 we can't have more than two or three false starts. If we start having like four or five false starts in that game, like it's going to get ugly. Um, that, but that's I, so tough to ask in this one, right? I know it, it is because this is the place that you can kind of expect four or five false starts, you know, like, yeah, but I mean, and no turnovers. Hey, they've done a, well, TJ Jones uh, dropped it uh, this past Saturday, but I thought overall the last couple of weeks, they've done a pretty good job about not turning the ball over. Didn't have any in Boca against FAU. Um, UTSA only had one and then only had one against uh, North Texas. So if we can limit the turnovers, while trying to play, be aggressive, um, then, you know, maybe UAB takes this thing into the fourth quarter and has a shot. Um, but I think, I think that's the key. That's what you said. Like we need to stay yeah. in it, stay attached. We need to yes. bust off a big, big run here and there, you know, like a, a big pass. We need Dylan to be Dylan. I've, I've liked what I've seen from Shrop, um, T- to John Palmer and, uh, Fred Ferrier as of late. Those I feel like Fred has really ascended to that number three guy. Mm-hmm. And I think he can make some plays along. I, I want to see Shrop. Uh, I want to see Shrop, see what Shrop and Tejan do on the big stage because they got a lot of defensive backfield speed. That's it's LSU. You know, um, they got a lot of dogs on defense. So I am interested to see how we're going to be able to manufacture, you know, put points on the board. And um, that's what I that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Me too. Well, Darian, I'll go ahead and give my official score prediction. Um, I I think LSU gets it done. I think LSU beats UAB 31 to 24. So I think it's a tie. I think UAB. Oh. Keep this, I think we can keep it close, man. I I had it 31 17, but the more I thought about it, and like if we can just get into the fourth quarter and be tight, like and just have a chance to make it a one position, like just down seven points and UAB's done well. Like they have been in every single ball game that they played this year. So if they can go down in Baton Rouge and play their best ball, then I like, I like us to try and keep it close. So I officially say 31, 24, maybe 31, 17, but I, I think UAB can cover the spread. Right, what's, so your, what's yours? I give my two scenarios. I honestly think we're gonna, we're either going to be in it to win it or we're going to get our ass whooped. 
Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's the doomsday. Yeah, I can see that. That's but cool. I don't, I don't think so. Like thirty-one seventeen is kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like how when we play Miami, it's kind of like y'all was straight, y'all was kind of in it. No, I don't see it being like that. It's either we're gonna get like, either we're gonna get forty-five ten. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Either we're gonna just really get whooped, whooped, or where you can't score is like three to three to forty-eight or something like that, or or it's gonna be like a. You know, get down to the fourth quarter, UAB can pull it out 32-31 type of deal. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, is it, I don't think it's no in-between, man. Either we're in it or we're not. And I think, yep. you know, the coaches, the players, we what, what, is, what is our attitude going to be about it? Uh, when we get out there, we will really see how much a talent deficit it is. But if it's not... If we can find little spots to where we actually out-talent them in certain little areas, and if our coaching staff come to win it and we, they can scheme up some things, we can force a turnover here and there. We can force a fumble. We can get a pick six. That's going to let you know if we're in it to win it, you know, early in the game. But if they come out and they just steamroll us for a touchdown, they come, it's a sack-sack, you know, type of deal. Mm, and yeah. they go up 14-0, I might turn off the game. Like, eh, we didn't come to win at all. I'm not even finna... No, you see them watching. I'm not finna be upset for what? <laughs> you know? Right, right. So, um, you know, that's, that's that's how we came out versus Georgia. It was yeah. like, well, I mean, it was so embarrassing. I turned that game off. Like, I don't even know why I'm watching this. Yeah. But if well, we come out, come out to win it, man, I... We... I mean... Hey, Vegas knows something, so mm-hmm. yeah, we can we can be in there, man. Definitely. Well, guys, we will not be doing an instant reaction uh, to the LSU game Saturday night. Uh, the main reason being is that I will be in Baton Rouge for that game. So if the game's not kicking off to eight and being over midnight, and then I've got to drive back to New Orleans, so I probably won't be back in my hotel till like two a.m. So we will not be doing an instant reaction. Uh, episode but we will try to do something uh sometime the next day on sunday but darren this is why you play the game so let's let's see what happens man that like we said last episode they put on their shoulder pads just like we do so we'll we'll just see what happens yeah screw it man you know hey hey if it dylan you know drop down there somewhere <laughs> hey dropping <laughs> palmer down there somewhere <laughs> <laughs> we coming in to win, man. I don't care about that. Today. I don't. I don't care about two yards in the cloud of this, man. You mm-hmm. know, we come in here to take the game, man. And um, I think I think coach Coach Vincent got a lot to prove. You know, um, so definitely. Hey, let's see if he can prove it. Definitely. Well, I right, guess. Well, without further ado, we will go ahead and roll our interview that we had with Caroline. Go Blazers. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Blazer Victory Podcast, where we are pleased to be joined by Carolyn Fenton, that host of the Locked on LSU podcast. Uh, Caroline, thank you so much for just making some time this uh, Monday evening to talk some LSU Tigers football with us. Of course. I mean, I will take any opportunity that I can get to talk LSU football. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to do it. Of course. And I know it's exciting times right down there um, in Louisiana, especially this year with Brian Kelly in year one, and just right out of the gate, I want to ask you, uh, Caroline, just how has Brian Kelly been able to do this so quickly in year one at LSU? Because, I mean, I know there's always talent down there, but, I mean, he kind of inherited a mess from Ed Ogeron, you know, heading out there uh, from the year before. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in. Before you answer, I just want to jump in. It was a lot of uh, skepticism and 
criticism and i remember the the recruiting dance video that was kind of cringe oh my god like yes. that. it was it was met with so much uh seemed like pushback so i, I am curious seeing your answer on this one yeah skepticism you are 100 percent correct um and i think that me as an lsu fan and really lsu fans as a whole we're just as surprised as probably the rest of the the college football world is I mean, you say how he's able to do it in year one, and I'll even go as far as to say how he's been able to turn things around in just the last few weeks. Because you go back to week one, you go back to that Florida State game, and LSU looked slow, LSU looked sloppy, LSU didn't look like a full cohesive team. And I always said, I was well, as critical and as skeptical, to, to your point, Darian, about the, the Brian Kelly hire, I thought, okay, Brian Kelly was brought in here to be the antithesis of Edward Ron. I understand Ed Orgeron won a national championship. I view that as more as lightning in a bottle. Really, the way that Ed Orgeron left that program, it was undisciplined. It was unorganized. That team just didn't have any guidance. So I said, okay, if anybody can come in here and lay the hammer down and bring some organization into this program, it's somebody who is viewed as such a quote-unquote CEO like Brian Kelly. And I think I was really discouraged after that first week against Florida State because it looked like a coach Ed Orgeron coach team. And I don't mean that with any disrespect to Chad Orgeron. It's just the, the dumb mistakes, the dumb penalties. It looked like LSU of 2020 and 2021, and that's not what we signed up with with Brian Kelly. But I have to give him so much credit for, one, the way that he, how much he's been able to work with. LSU had 39 scholarship players in January, and now we turn around and LSU won the SEC West. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> What Brian Kelly was able to do with the transfer portal and how he's been able to elevate these true freshmen. I mean, I made this point on a Lockdown LSU podcast uh, last week. I said, I think that LSU is a very good case to have the most impactful freshman class of any other program in college football. And I look at Harold Perkins. He's a true freshman that single-handedly won that game against Arkansas. I look at LSU with two true freshmen on both ends of the offensive line, Will Campbell at left tackle and Emory Jones at right tackle. I don't know how many college football programs have true freshmen, one true freshman starting at tackle, much less two. And I also Mm. look at at Mason Taylor, who, you know, he won the Alabama game for LSU. He was the one who was able to get in the end zone on that two-point conversion. He had a touchdown against Alabama. So I look at all of these freshmen that have been able to step up and really be elevated in their true freshman year. And also some of these true fr- or these transfer portal players that have been able to come in and, you know, learn this system and learn each other and really serve as a cohesive unit. So that's credit to those players. And that's credit to Brian Kelly and Mike Denbrock and Matt House and the, the offensive and defensive coordinators for getting this team together, getting them rallied around the system, getting them rallied around you know, the, the philosophy that Brian Kelly wants to install in this program and for being able to do it so quickly. It's not what I expected in year one, but absolutely I'll take it. Yeah. I'm, I'm particularly like extremely surprised because, you know, I, I know I mentioned the, the dance video, the recruiting, and I think that player right. ended up signing to, I can't remember the player, but then he signed to Alabama. He did. Yeah. He ended up, he was a tight end who ended up signing with Alabama and, you know, that was one thing that I look at it and I'm like, I'm not going to say that it was a stupid dance video that went viral <laughs> and making fun of Brian Kelly. That being the reason why he decided to go elsewhere. But I do think that it was just so much negative press around the program and just making fun of Brian Kelly. That video and the whole, you know, the, uh, Southern accent video. Yes. Like I said so many times, I said, I just want him 
to win games so we can stop talking about all of this so we can right. stop making fun of the dance videos so we can stop talking about the southern accent and we can start talking about you know is brian kelly actually going to be able to get it done at lsu and you know the videos and the fake southern accent were just kind of you know fodder around the country which i get it it's easy to make fun of he's an easy guy to make fun of he's kind of a goofy guy but i yeah. think now i'm finally getting what I've been asking for for so many months of when can we finally just start winning games so we can stop making fun of the Southern accent, which I'm sure will never go away, but at least that there's, there's a different conversation around the program and there's a different focus on the program and it's all in a positive light and it's all LSU fans. And I think fans of other programs across the, across the country, finally looking at it like, okay, this is why LSU signed him to such a massive contract. Right. And Caroline, you mentioned uh, him earlier, but just doing some film study on LSU. I mean, Harold Perkins, like true Bad freshman, boy. just pops <laughs> off. Like, how special is he? You know, on that defensive uh, uh, for, for for LSU. I mean, he is invaluable, and I think the scariest part about it for opposing opposing fans or opposing teams is Harold Perkins is not a finished product. Mm. Brian Kelly and Matt House, the defensive coordinator, both talk about it a lot. Talk about his special skill set and how smart he is and how much he's learned in just this year, but also how much he really truly has left to grow. Mm. And Brian Kelly mentioned it um, before the, uh, after the Tennessee game, because Harold Perkins was on the sideline for a majority of that game. And I criticized that decision and I still do. And I criticize it even more. And I'll probably never forgive Brian Kelly for sitting Harold Perkins in that game. But he did mention that Harold Perkins struggled on the outside and he really thrives kind of on the inside and I understand that thought process because Tennessee was a team that likes to air it out they're a team that likes to play up against the numbers they're not a team that you're going to beat on the inside and up front on the line so I understood the thought process I just disagreed with it but I have to give credit to Matt House the defensive coordinator for finding such a creative way to use Harold Perkins because he's been a QB spy the past few weeks we saw it against Alabama you know, he was just giving Bryce Young fits all night long. We definitely saw it against Arkansas as well. Any anytime, um, whichever, you know, quarterback was in, whether it would be uh, Malik Hornsby or the third string quarterback whose name, Caleb Fortin, I believe is his name. Mm -hmm. um, anytime they wanted to rip off a run, Harold Perkins was right there. Harold Perkins does such a great job of kind of defending that gap and being a spy. And he can drop back in coverage and serve as a defensive back role, or he can kind of come up forward and play a linebacker role. So they've been able to use his versatility and also to kind of mask some of those areas where he still has room to grow. So I think that he is such a special player. He is quick. He's got the speed of a safety, but the size of a linebacker. And he's really, really smart. And I think he's only going to grow even more. And he's going to be, he has been a problem. He's going to be even more of a problem for opposing offenses moving forward. And I, I don't mean to, you know, jump to conclusions or be over dramatic, but I, I have a good, good feeling that Harold Perkins is going to be like a Tyron Matthew, Matthew level defensive player for LSU. Because I think that not only is he one of the best freshmen in the country, I think he's got a good case for being one of the best defensive players in the country as well. Yes, I, I think he does too. I've, you know, I was watching film on him. I was a guy that I used to play at um, UAB. Um, nice. so I'm, a, I'm a film junkie. So I, when I was watching film on him, I don't think I have ever seen um, somebody impact the game so much as a spy. <laughs> like, it is crazy. His closing speed and his ability, it's not even the speed, but 
the way he's able to plant his feet in the ground and get a quarterback or whoever it is, he's able to get them on the ground. Like, it's one thing to get there. It's one thing to get them down. And he gets them down. I'm like, I've never – I can't think of any player in – I can. he's a true freshman. So right. I heard you say he still has area – in, uh, areas to improve in and rooms to grow. Could you um, expound on that and what you think uh, those areas are? Yeah, well, and it's it's really kind of what we've heard from from Brian Kelly and that he still has room to grow probably in, in pass pro and probably uh, like going up more on the outside because that's where he's really thrived is playing sort of inside. And also he's able to flip from man to zone very easily. Mm. And we've seen that, especially against Alabama, where he's able to kind of drop back into zone coverage or drop, or, you know, kind of come forward into man and, and be a QB spy. I think where he, he does have room to grow, and this is not, you know, my own analysis. I can only see what I see um, on the game, in the game. I can't really see what he's doing in practice, but kind of taking Brian Kelly's word for it, that he still has room to grow on being uh, a, a presence on the outside. You know, right now, I think he's he's playing more of a, a less of a pure pass rusher um, role, where he can, which he can play, uh, but he's playing more of kind of that hybrid linebacker safety role. I think that's where he can grow a little bit more is more being more on the outside, being able to cover um, more of those edges. Gotcha. Well, the way he gave Arkansas the right tackle, the way he gave him fits on pass pro, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Well, and I'm looking at at Arkansas's offensive coordinator, and I'm thinking, are you gonna single Harold Perkins all day long? I thought I, I was looking mm-hmm. at, and I was like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, and I'm what pretty are you sure doing? that was their right tackle's first start. I believe their starting right tackle oh, wow. was out with an injury or something along those lines. I don't know the exact story, but I'm pretty sure that was the right tackle's first career start. And you're gonna single him up against Harold Perkins, who's had mm. four stacks on the day I, I was confused <laughs> why Arkansas wasn't making some of those adjustments to account for Harold Perkins because that's not a guy that you want to leave one-on-one All right for sure well Caroline kind of looking at the other uh, other side of the ball for LSU um yeah t- talk talk a little bit about how Jaden Daniels has just kind of just come in immediately from Arizona State and just I mean, I know basically kind of run a couple other quarterbacks out of the out of the building, you know, getting the start and starting all year. And I mean, this is a four year starter. You know, he started three years at Arizona State and his fourth year or his first year at LSU. Like what has he meant for this offense in his first year at LSU? It it hasn't been smooth sailing this entire season. I mean, it's been a little bit bumpy for Jaden Daniels. It's been pretty bumpy for this offense as a whole. I can look to the defense and say that the defense won a whole heck of a lot of games for LSU so far this season. And Jaden Daniels did come into LSU with a little bit of a, of a quarterback competition. Miles Brennan is the guy who had been at LSU for six years. He was named the mm-hmm. starter twice in 2020 and 2021. And unfortunately uh, left the 2020 season with an injury and then wasn't able to start without the entire 2021 season with an injury. So, I mean, that kind of seemed like the guy that I think a lot of LSU fans wanted to earn the starting job, because with all of these changes within LSU's program, new head coach, new coordinators, a bunch of players leaving through the transfer portal, just a lot of shakeup within the program. I think a lot of LSU fans viewed Miles Brennan as like that one constant of that one player kind of tying this team to the 2019 team. And a lot of people felt a lot of comfort with Miles Brennan and a lot of question marks with Jaden Daniels, you know, being a West Coast kid coming to LSU. A lot of people didn't know what to expect from Jaden Daniels. 
that I thought from the beginning that he was going to be the guy. Because, like you said, he already had three seasons as a starting quarterback under his belt. And I look at Jaden Daniels' skill set, and it reminds me a lot of Desmond, Desmond Ritter's of you know, maybe some accuracy issues, really strong arm, and really talented runner. And that's exactly who Mike Denbrock was able to kind of form into a quarterback that brought his team to the college football playoff. Mike Denbrock, the offensive coordinator at Cincinnati last year, and now that's the LSU right. offensive coordinator. So I thought, I mean, he has experience shaping these mobile quarterbacks into more of a, a pro-style system. Um, but yeah, Jane Daniels ultimately did get the starting job, and his mobility kind of seemed to be almost like a weakness for this team because you, you really saw it against Florida State. Anytime there was an open pocket, he just immediately deferred to his feet, and he right. wouldn't take the time to step back and go through his progressions because as soon as as he felt pressure, he was going off with his legs. And, you know, that might win you a couple games, but that's not going to win you very many games in the SEC, especially the SEC West. So I I think that that's what LSU's offense was dealing with for, you know, at least the first half of the season so far was the offense was doing just enough on the ground to score enough points, and the defense was the one winning games. Look at that Auburn game, for example. Um LSU's offense didn't get anything going until the defense uh, forced a fumble, sack fumble, picked it up, scoop and score. That got LSU on the board down 17-7, and the offense was able to do just enough to win that game, and the defense was able to hold off Auburn's offense long enough to be able to win that game. But it wasn't anything exciting offensively until we saw that Florida game. And that's mm-hmm. when Jaden Daniels really started to see – you started to see a lot of confidence. We started to see something click in that Florida game. And I don't know if it was Jaden Daniels own confidence. I don't know if it was Jaden Daniels chemistry with the receivers that that just finally something clicked there. Um, LSU played Florida after Tennessee, after they just got their butts whooped against Tennessee and Kayshawn Booty had his first touchdown of the season against Tennessee. And I don't know if that was what they needed, what, you know, Kayshawn Booty and Jaden Daniels needed as a quarterback and receiver to be like, okay, no, this is what we need. This is, you know, the kind of confidence and chemistry that we need. I don't know if it was just time that they needed, but against Florida is when we saw Jaden Daniels really start to click within this offense. So yes, Jaden Daniels has looked like a Heisman caliber quarterback over the past four weeks or so, but it didn't come without a lot of a learning curve, which is to be expected. You know, a transfer quarterback in his first year in the system, his first year in this conference, it had some growing pains, but it's really starting to pay off here. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. I was going to ask, uh, when when did you think it was going to click? Because when, when did you thought it clicked for Jane Daniels? Because I saw that uh, the Alabama game, of course, I think everybody mm-hmm. around the nation was watching that one. And, um, you know, it was so exciting or whatever. But what I was so impressed with was after the game. And, you know, he was talking on national TV and he seemed so poised. Like mm-hmm. during the game, he seemed him and Bryce Young seemed like the two most poised quarterbacks I've ever seen in college, you know. But he, the way he carried himself and the way he talked, it was so much maturity. Yeah. And it, it just so much poise. I, and it really made me a fan of his, um, you know, how he was able, even in that exciting time, just able to calm himself down and talk properly and well and, care, you know, just carry himself so well. So I thought, I didn't know if that was the moment that. You know, it started to click for them on offense because his maturity and poise. But then you look at the, you know, I, I wasn't able to really catch the whole Arkansas game. I see the 13-10 mm-hmm. box score. Now, what what went on in the Arkansas game? 
Good question. Because <laughs> that's, I think, what we're all asking ourselves. Um, and yeah, to your point, I mean, Bryce Young, I think, has the best composure of any college quarterback I've seen and probably since Joe Burrow. Bryce Young is just so cool. Um, and Jaden Daniels, yeah, we saw that against Alabama. I think we saw that against Florida. We saw it against Ole Miss. And it's really, I think Jaden Daniels is kind of just a microcosm for this team as a whole, is they just never get, like, they never feel like they're under pressure. It's been kind of a theme with LSU this entire season that they get down early. Saw it against Ole Miss. They were down 17-3. We saw it against Mississippi State. We saw it against Auburn. They were down 17-0 in the first half. And they just never really seem to be bothered by it. And Jaden Daniels, I think, really is kind of the leader with that. Um, But against Arkansas, I think there were a few different factors at play here. One, Arkansas has a damn good defensive line. Arkansas, I believe was second in the SEC in total sacks going into that game, but led the SEC for a majority of the season so far um, in sacks because the defensive line is just so, so, so freaking good. Um, where Arkansas struggles is in in pass defense, and I think we kind of saw that. Um, but I mean, LSU wasn't able to throw the ball very much. I don't know if that was weather. I mean, Jaden Daniels is a kid from California who played in Arizona and now plays in Louisiana, and it was snowing in Fayetteville, so I don't know if that's Part of it, I don't know if it was offensive play calling, and I don't know if it was just Jaden Daniels was under duress the entire game, and those like the two true freshman tackles that I mentioned, it was just a little bit too much for them to handle against that really talented Arkansas front. Um, so I think it was just kind of all of those things at play here that they just couldn't get things moving, and once Jaden Daniels got rattled by that defensive front, it was just no going back from there. But credit to Josh Williams and credit to that the LSU run game for being really kind of the the saving grace offensively there. Um, but yeah, the Arkansas game definitely was not a uh, highlight for LSU offensively. The defense single-handedly won that game. But I do think weather played – I hate that feels like such a boring excuse. <laughs> but I do think weather played a good, a good uh, point in that. But I think that Jaden Daniels as a whole has proven that, like, mm-hmm. hey, he can be a great leader and he can be calm, cool, and collected, and he can lead that team very much. Yeah, we like you, Caroline, but we're going to pray for snow in Louisiana. Come on, snow. (laughs) When pigs fly, I do remember when I lived in Louisiana, when I was a student at LSU, (laughs) we got an eighth of an inch of snow, and we were out of school for four days. So that just goes to show how not equipped to handle the snow. We as Louisianans and also football players in Louisiana, when it drops below 32 degrees, we just don't really know how to act. Yeah, we uh, uh, John, you remember <laughs> Snowma getting down here? What year was that? Yes, that what, was like, 2014 or 15. Uh, horrible, it looked yeah, like it was bad. It looked like something off the Walking Dead, like all the cars was on, on the side of the road, just like, totally barren. Yes, <laughs> and, like I'm, I'm from St. Louis, and so you know, I'm used to snow, I drive in snow, and so when it was you know 30 degrees and nobody would leave their houses. I'm like, okay, who needs me to go on a grocery run for them? I will I will brave the elements for y'all since you're not used to it. That's how we are down south, baby. You know, it's just... <laughs> it's, <laughs> well. All right, Carolyn, I want your honest opinion. When you saw the Vegas line open at LSU just a 14-point favorite, what, what what was your first reaction when you saw that? Were you Were you shocked or was it... I think it was maybe a little bit of shock, but also my first inclination was, what does Vegas know? Right. Vegas is always up to something. And it was the same kind of feeling that I got when I saw the opening line for the Arkansas game was was LSU minus three and a half. 
that okay, that's strange. LSU is coming off of a win over Alabama. Alabama or Arkansas rather is coming off of a loss to Liberty. These two teams are not in the same position. So what am I missing here? And I think it was probably a combination of Vegas understanding like the, the weather that was coming through. LSU had a had a flu breakout in the locker room. So was mm. that you know all at play, or did Vegas just recognize that LSU has some fatal flaws offensively that Arkansas's defense was going to be able to take advantage of? I I always have to defer to Vegas there because Vegas always knows something that we just don't. So I mean I think I think that shows that we're going to be in for a good game. And I think that Vegas is giving UAB a good bit of credit here. Because to be honest, I haven't watched UAB football so far this season. So from y'all's perspective, why do you think the spread is 14? A lot closer than probably <laughs> I would have expected. Uh, me and Darian, I mean, our the last episode we recorded, we... Darian, didn't we think it was going to be like 24 or 27, something like that? Like, we, we were I, I, way I, off. I, yeah. yeah, I thought it was going to be more so 21. Not not because of the talent on our on our team, but because on the road, we haven't. Yeah, UAB hasn't won on the road yet, yeah. Yeah. And, but, and it's but a tough also, environment to play on the road. At 8 o'clock, nonetheless. Yeah, but also I can say that on the road, we've, we haven't gotten blew out or anything like that. We've. Mm-hmm. We haven't lost a game by more than seven. We we've had a very frustrating year to say mm-hmm. that. We, we should we we could very well be sitting here undefeated if it wasn't for penalties and turnovers. Honestly, yeah. because we this is one of the most stacked teams that we've had at UAB. But we we went through a um, a late coaching change. So our coach was a first year head coach. He was the offensive coordinator, and um you know he he got put in a tough position for our team with um championship expectations um. And honestly, before LSU had this miraculous turnaround and we had all the hype around around us, honestly, it was a lot of people looking at circling this SEC game at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year before Coach Clark retired, like, mm-hmm. and get this one, you know, because all the turmoil that was going on over there and right. all the hype and expectations on our side. Totally but, uh, fair. Huh? Totally fair. Yeah, like I thought, you know, in the beginning of this year, like, hey, this is going to be, we can go in here and we can take down LSU, but, you know, the season's played out how they played out. But, you know, we just were, um, we were a seven point favorite over North Texas, just then North Texas was the, you know, um, the runner up in the conference and we just beat the mess out of them. Now we were at home and we have, we have our starting quarterback back. Um, So I know that a lot, that had a lot to do with it, but I'm curious to see. Um, we have a pretty good defense and, um, and our coach has grown over the year. It took, uh-huh. it took, uh, you know, half of the season, but he's, he's got there. So I'm curious to see if we just going to go out there since we done had a disappointing year playing with house money, just like whatever. Like I know John mentioned it last podcast, just go five wise. We're not a five wide team. <laughs> just, just do stuff, you know, <laughs> just, just go all in. <laughs> just, just, exactly. Just throw, throw it at the wall. And if it sticks, great. And if it doesn't, no harm, no foul. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. John, well, John, get the game. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be there. I'll need, I'll need a couple Red Bulls before to stay up day but i'll be there <laughs> i'm sure you will have uh plenty of liquid encouragement from the people around baton rouge whether that's a red bull or not i'm sure you will have uh plenty of juice to get you through the day well well i was gonna say caroline now since you uh, since lsu beat alabama and auburn surely they'll be nice to uab fans coming down right <laughs> i i will say one thing and i don't know how much experience you'll have with lsu fans i feel like we get 
a lot of, of a, a kind of a bad reputation about being mean to opposing fans. I have to say, I mean, I obviously am very biased. LSU fans can either be your worst nightmare or your best, best, best friend. Uh, I think LSU fans are so welcoming and just overall want visitors or LSU fans or whoever it might be just want to have a good time in Baton Rouge. So I promise you, if you go up to your tailgate, if they've got gumbo, if they've got a full ice chest full of whatever it is you might want to drink, they will walk <laughs> in with open arms. I promise you. They, they, I can't say it for everybody, but I can say for probably a good bit of the fan base, they'll just be excited for you to be there. Well, good. good. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, yeah, if well, you need any recommendations, let me know. Yes, I'll, I'll definitely have to shoot you a message to get a couple of places to maybe check out while I'm down there. Yeah, we're, we're, stay, yeah, we're staying in New Orleans, but we're going to drive oh, down fun. to Baton Rouge. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, that's kind of the way to do it. If, I don't know if you've made a trip to, to Baton Rouge before. I have not, no. Is it like okay, Tuscaloosa well, yeah. kind of, a, or is it like... Um, I don't know. I've been to Tuscaloosa twice, so I don't have a great grasp on, on Tuscaloosa, but... I mean, it's it's your typical college town. I mean, a bunch of really great places to go, great places to eat, great places to drink, great places, you know, see live music and to hang out. Um, but yeah, I always say if this is your first trip to Baton Rouge, do New Orleans the night before, you know, do the whole New Orleans thing, go get a fun dinner, go see Bourbon Street, and then make your way to, to Baton Rouge because there's a lot of fun things to do in Baton Rouge as well. Yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm originally from Recaven, Mississippi. It's just only about... Okay, yeah, not too far. Yeah, that's only about probably a little over an hour away from Baton Rouge. So I used to be in Baton Rouge all the time. And a lot of, I used to be around a lot of LSU fans. Like one of my yeah. closest friends is all LSU all day, you know. So I do, I do, uh, I do understand your point of saying that uh, y'all do get a bad rap. Uh, but I have seen those, <laughs> I've seen the bad side of those oh, LSU yeah. fans. It could get ugly quick. Oh, yeah. Every every batch has got, you know, your bad little sample in there, for sure. Right, and right. As long as you're not wearing, you know, a, a Florida Gator, Alabama Crimson Tide, or an Ole Miss Rebel shirt, I think that you should be welcomed with open arms. <laughs> so I, sh- I should be good, then. <laughs> Just wear yeah, a hat. Don't wear good. a shirt. <laughs> yeah, I do remember, you know, I, I live in Nashville. I went to LSU, so a bunch of my friends... Um, and family here in Nashville all went to Tennessee. So I brought a bunch of my friends from Nashville for the, the LSU-Tennessee game. And one of my friends like, came, came wandering out of Tiger Stadium after the game, like trying to find a place to go, phone wasn't working. And he just stumbled upon this LSU tailgate. And they still, to this day, like text like their friends. Oh, that's and cool. Wow. He was so cool. Yeah, and he was like so nervous to go up to them and ask like, hey, do you guys have a phone charger? I need to call my friends, don't know where I am. You know, they gave him a cup of gumbo. They gave him beer. We ended up hanging out at the tailgate for like an hour after the game. It was nice. just like super friendly. And was like, yep, that game sucked for LSU, but happy for you guys. So <laughs> I do have some, I do have some, some good stories for opposing fans. Not just bad ones, not just Tiger Bait stories. <laughs> well, Caroline, last question. So in yeah. your opinion, what does UAB have to do to go down to Death Valley and possibly pull the upset over LSU? I think first and foremost, you know, don't let the environment intimidate you. Uh, that's one thing that we as LSU fans pride ourselves on so much, and it's for good reason, of how difficult of a place Death Valley is to play, especially at night, especially for a team that's been rolling and been playing very well, especially very well at home. Um, don't let the environment get to you. It's going to be loud, it's going to be rowdy, and it's going to be very, very intimidating. But if you just keep a level head and understand going into it, okay, this is the game plan. You know, we may need to switch to a silent cadence. Don't let it get to you. 
Um, Cause it is an intimidating place to play. I don't care if you're UAB. I don't care if you're the university of Alabama. Um, it can, it could be intimidating. And I think another thing too, is LSU is a team that likes to use the run to set up the pass. If you take the run game away from LSU, this offense obviously is very one-dimensional in a in, in that one dimension being the passing game, being one part of LSU's offense that's still developing. So taking the run away from LSU's offense, I think, is is pretty lethal for this team. So if you're able to do that, you're gonna be able to limit LSU's offense and how much points they can put they can put up very much. So well, awesome. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for uh, coming on the Blazer Victory podcast. Guys, if you are not following Caroline on Twitter, give her a follow at CarolineFenton1 on Twitter. And, Darian, you want to go ahead and close us out, buddy? Hey, we're going to go down to Tiger Nation, Tiger Stadium, and Blazer Nation, we're going to ride. So let's ride. Let's ride.